Well, hello, pod recipients. Hope you've got a great signal to listen to what we're going to talk about today. I have been fascinated with accents, especially here in America. You know, you you go up north and you, you want a beverage. They say, what pop do you want? What pop? You come down here to the Midwest, everything is soda. But then you go down to the south, you know what they say. What kind of Coke do you want? Everything is Coke, but sweet tea. Yeah, what kind of Coke you want? A Dr. Pepper is a Coke. And I could totally go for a Dr. Pepper right now. Mm. Uh, you go up north they it's very clear you all you go down south y'all that's right you go up north they say hello how are you down south it's how's your mom and them <laughs> i'd heard about that that they say that to each other down in the south and i was down there not too long ago and it's true this <laughs> guy i hadn't seen in a long time he come to me hey brother gleason how's your mom and them <laughs> i like that you know, something around here in Missouri, it's, we're called the show me state. It's real. Like if you're talking to a guy and you're talking to him about this big old fish you caught, he'd say, show it to me. You got a picture? Show it to me. Let me see it. Let me see it. That, that, that's how it is. It's weird. Like you could have like a new gun on your hip and could be talking about it anywhere else in the country. They'd say, oh, oh, nice weapon, you know. Because, you know, concealed weapons, and maybe we'll talk about guns here a little bit later in this episode, but I personally believe guns are not meant to be seen. They're meant to be felt, at least on us for civilians. Keep your stuff concealed, my goodness. Anywhere else in the country, they'd say, oh, nice weapon, cool, very nice. Here in Missouri, let me see it. Let me see it. <laughs> they want to hold the gun here in uh, Missouri. Hey, it is the show me state. You know, what happened back in the Bible days and what happens nowadays, there's not really a whole lot of differences, like weapons we're talking about, but also more so how people talked and what they said they believed in, what they said they didn't believe in, and the human nature to act one way in front of somebody and then act a totally different way around other people. That is human nature. And one thing that's very difficult to disguise is your speech, how you talk, your use of language. You can pretty much figure out somebody's uh, you know, character very quickly on how they speak, not only their accent, but the words they use. I think it's very difficult to make judgments about somebody based on their ethnicity. There's really not a lot you can know about somebody about their ethnicity, especially here in America. But you can, and usually not even the way they're dressed, sometimes the way they're dressed, but really how they talk. How somebody speaks is a definite indication whether they're educated or not, whether they have good character or not, whether they have integrity or not, whether they're open to be a disciple of Jesus or not. Talking is the greatest form of communication. Yes, I believe in body language. Yes, I believe in putting off a certain spirit, a certain aura and all that but really speech is the main thing and that's why speech is so emphasized in the bible you you go uh, going back to the old testament 
Judges t- chapter 12 during the time of war uh, between the Gileadites, the Ephraimites. Uh, you know, there was a, a big major war and they were trying to uh, decipher and separate their enemies. And one of the tests, uh, the test that the um, Gileadites did on the Ephraimites Ephraimites could not pronounce the word shibboleth. Shibboleth in Hebrew, it means a, a stream of water. And the Ephraimites being closer to the north, trying to cross the river during the time of war, how the Gileadites separated them, you know, was they asked them and tested them by saying shibboleth. Well, they couldn't say the sh, so they said si, sibboleth, sibboleth, their speech gave it away who they really were, Ephraimites. And that's how they separated them. So you have the accent there, how you talk, but it's also based upon ideas is how you, God really knows who you are and how men know who you really are. Words are things. Words have deep meaning. Words are not only earthly, natural, but they are supernatural. The power of the spoken word is a real thing. I believe in it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. Podcasting is the power of the spoken word, and it's the art of the spoken word. That's right. Us talkers, we're artists. It is a creation. It is content. I know it's different than music. I know it's different than paintings. But those of us who write, those of us who talk, it is a form of art and communicating ideas. Words are powerful. They really are. They affect people. Jesus believed in words so much that he told his followers in Matthew 10, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... Him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The world can pick up whether or not you are a true follower of Jesus based upon how you talk about him. And not only that, Jesus knows how serious you are about him and about eternity based upon how you talk. Not only how you talk verbally to people, how you text how you post, how you preach, how you pray, how you give presentations, how you do everything. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we're going to talk about denying the Lord today. A very, very serious subject for such a time as this. You are here to listen and I'm here to talk. This is Justin C. Gleason. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here to bring you the message of God, Bible, and church in the year of our Lord, 2021. Please subscribe, become a loyal listener, give a great review and rating, and share this episode with your friends. Follow me at Justin C. Gleason on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Scroll down and reference the episode notes below for further details. I want to also refer you to some other podcasts and channels. Foot on the Rock with John Hoffman. Um, he was kind enough to invite me to be a guest on his show. 
we had a very very nice conversation he he really got me talking and we talked very late actually I, I felt i felt like i was 20 years old 20 year 20 years old in bible college all over again and so we uh he really uh really studied and prepared things based upon my content really got me talking i, th- I think i said things on that podcast that i've never said on here so go and check it out you'll like it also, my good friend, Brother Danny Torres, the host of the State of the Nation. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, he really got me talking about my podcast story, other things about my life. Uh, it's a it's a great episode, a good, uh, good video channel. A lot about politics, a lot about the state of our nation. Excellent content that I think you will uh, really, really enjoy. So yeah, get after it. Who needs radio? Who needs t- who needs TV? Because podcasting is the future. Hopefully you all are smart enough to realize that the Bible was not originally written in English. Uh, some people still haven't figured that out. They, You know, you got the King James or hell type people. And, and, and in their church, when there's an, a, a tongues and interpretation, that interpretation can only be in Elizabethan language, Elizabethan English. <laughs> I, and I, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Language changes. Uh, English, even listen to like stuff back in the 90s. I mean, English has changed even since then, the way we speak, the way we talk, our vernacular, our idiom. Language changes. It just does. And that's why I don't recommend King James Version to Bible readers anymore. It's a foreign language to us. I like New King James. and And I'm expecting them to give me a sponsorship any day, only in my dreams. But that'd be awesome if it did happen. Hey, you never know. You never know. But there's even changes in language in the Bible. And the Bible was not written in English. I don't even know if English existed, you know, then at that time. You probably, you definitely had the uh, Latin language, a lot of the older Gaul language and the Germanic tribes. But a lot of English, as we know, it was not even spoken uh, back then. We'll have to some other time dig into the the histories of all the the romantic languages of uh europe and where english and and uh spanish the dutch um gallic portuguese all of that came from all of that perhaps another time but let's let's get to bible language okay in, uh, in Israel today, they teach that in that region, in that land, during the time of Christ in the first century, there was three major languages spoken. Number one, there was uh, Greek. Greek is what you spoke to pay your taxes in. Greek is what you spoke to pay your taxes in. Uh, Latin was spoken uh, basically for uh, political matters political matters. Uh, If you stood before a judge, you spoke Latin if you could. You then also had Hebrew, which is what they prayed in. You prayed in Hebrew. It was your spiritual language. 
So Greek and Latin were taxes, business, you know, dealing with the foreigners. Hebrew is what they prayed in. Well, then you had Aramaic. Aramaic is what you ordered your pizza in, <laughs> so to speak. Aramaic was like the common day-to-day language uh, between Galileans, specifically Galileans. And Jesus spoke Aramaic. It's a it's a Semitic language that um, the Jews picked up during their years of captivity in Babylon. And Jesus spoke it. Uh, you look in Matthew chapter 5, he's, Jesus says, whoever says Raka, Raka is not Hebrew. It's an Aramaic term. Whoever says Raka shall be in danger of the uh, council. Uh, Raka means uh, like, it's like putting a reproach on somebody for being senseless. That's what it means. You also look down further in Mark 5. Uh, Jesus, when he came to the little, to uh, Jairus' daughter, he said, Talitha kumi. That is not Hebrew. That is Aramaic. And it means little girl, rise up. Uh, Mark chapter 14 when Jesus is praying in Gethsemane, he cries out, Abba, Abba, Abba. That's Aramaic. It means uh, daddy asking his Abba to take this cup from me. And while he's on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. That's Aramaic. It is not Hebrew. So yeah, Jesus could speak Greek, could speak forms of Latin, could speak Hebrew. And he also spoke and prayed in Aramaic. Galileans used the Aramaic language, including the disciples of Jesus, particularly the fishermen. Galileans had a different manner of speech than they did in Jerusalem. They could all speak the same languages, but they had different accents and different ways of pronouncing their words. And specifically Galileans, because most of them, their first language was Aramaic. So bringing Aramaic into Hebrew pronunciation, certain words were perhaps a little bit different. Okay, keep all that in mind. At the Last Supper, Peter says to the Lord, I will follow you to the end. And Jesus says, oh, no, you won't. Before the rooster crows three times. You will have denied me thrice. Good King James Version word. Thrice. Three times. And it came to pass. Now, Peter was a good liar. He got away with it. But you read about it in the Bible in Matthew chapter 26, beginning reading at verse number 69. Now, Peter sat outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you were also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out of the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them for your speech betrays you then he began to curse and swear saying i do not know the man immediately a rooster crowed and peter remembered the word of jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows you will deny me three times 
So he went out and wept bitterly. Three things I, I want to focus on here today in our in our subject of denial is that Peter took an oath and he also cursed and he sweared. Keep those three things in mind and also keep in mind what the servant girl said to him. Your speech betrays you. Your speech betrays you. And the word rooster in King James, it's cock. Okay. So remember, Peter takes oaths, swears, uh, curses, all that. He also is accused of, of, of speech betraying him and the rooster crows. There's some really deep biblical insight into this, and, and I want to explain these things to you. Let's talk about how Peter's speech betrayed him. Now, he's from Galilee. He speaks Aramaic. Okay. The word rooster in Aramaic is gara, gara. The men of Judah pronounced rooster in a different word, in a different way. And it's the word gaver, gaver. Peter said something very unusual here. He began to say, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I've done some digging and some research into this. And I always thought it was strange whenever I'd see passion plays. I know we did it in our church. I've seen it done in movies. In this scene, there's an actual little rooster up there on the edge of the temple going, you know, uh, I believe that for a little bit, but for most of my life, I never thought that just seems so weird that they would have roosters there walking around in the temple. And I did some digging into history and reading the law of God. I am not so sure it was an actual rooster that you would see in a barn or on a farm. Mm -mm. You know what I found out? Now, back then, they didn't have alarm clocks. You know what? They had men who would watch at night. They had four watches at night. Time in the evening was broken up into four sections. And at the end of the fourth watch, which was from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., at the very end of that, about 6 a.m., Whoever was on watch that night would get up at the pinnacle of the temple and cry out to all of the priests to wake up. And he would do that three times. Arise, you priest. Arise and serve the Lord. Arise, you priest. The sun is coming up. Get up. Arise, you priest. It is time to serve the Lord. All right? So the rooster back then was not a bird. It was a man. It was a man who acted like a rooster waking everything up. He would get up and call out, it's time to wake up. Well, we translate our Bible literally, and I don't think the, the Bible translators understand a lot of the Hebrew culture, and they just translate the, the Greek for what it says. You're not really reading about an actual bird there. You're reading about a man who got up and crowed. You want to know what's interesting? The word gaver back then in ancient Hebrew, you know what it was used for? Also, the word man. Man. And don't let that confuse you because nowadays, what do we call guys? We call them dudes. Uh, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I read one time when I was a teenager, the word dude is an old word for a hair on an elephant. <laughs> so I, wherever that came from, I don't, I don't know. 
But think about this, girls. Uh, I, I know most of you probably wouldn't like this, but back in the 90s, girls were called chicks. Chick. A, 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 a little small, cute baby chicken. Chick. All right. Uh, so, you know, the use of human beings related to animals, like what up, dog? Yeah, we've done that. Every culture does that, and they did it back then. Men were at times called roosters, especially those who got up early to wake up every, well, then get up, but had been staying up all night, staying up in the fourth watch to call out and wake everybody up. They were called the rooster. In Aramaic, they would have said gara. The Hebrew pronunciation would have been gaver. Just a slight difference. So Peter being in Galilee, being an Aramaic speaker coming down to Jerusalem where they spoke Hebrew, he would have spoken in the Aramaic saying, I do not know the man. He would have said in Aramaic, Dila yada ana le gara. And when that little servant girl who was of Jerusalem heard him say gara, it was like shibboleth all over again. She knew, ah, you are not from Judea. You are not of Jerusalem. You are Galilean. Your speech betrays you. You are a Galilean. You said gara. And that's when the rooster, the gara, the man, got up and said, it's time to get up, priests. You know, it's Passover week. You know, it's a busy time. You can't be sleeping in through all of that. <laughs> Peter denied the Lord in that moment, just like he said. At the very exact moment, he said, the timing was there, the content was there, all of that was there. So that's just a little bit of details and depth that I think you'll find interesting. And just talking about it, I feel a, a witness of the Holy Ghost that what I'm talking about is true. There are times when I preach something new, something unusual, something in reading in between the lines of the Bible. I'll know if it's right or not, sometimes in a sermon. And I feel I'm right about this. Roosters are unclean animals. They would not be welcome into the temple. They would only allow sacrificial, clean animals into that temple. The rooster was a man crying out. And Peter, through the use of the Aramaic dialect, the Galilean dialect, that is what betrayed him when he spoke in Aramaic. De la yada ana le lagara. I do not know the man. Now, just so you know, I don't speak Aramaic. This is all copy and pasted. All, all research that I've done uh, based uh, from uh, rabbinical resources, okay? All right. Uh uh, you can you can reference random groovy random groovy biblefacts.com and and uh, search up Peter's denial uh, and the cock crows by Jeremy Springfield great article and there's there's a lot of other guys that have researched this and done this but now let's talk about the denial let's talk about the denial you know Peter said Lord I would not deny you and he said that because of what Jesus taught them. He says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you in heaven. Denying God uh, was a sentence to hell. To deny that Jesus is real is eternity in the lake of fire. That's why Peter was so adamant at that last supper saying, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will never deny you. And here he is right there denying the Lord. You want to know why? Because the Lord was being accused. The Lord was bound. The Lord was on trial. 
the Lord was facing serious legal matters. And I think really that's where the church is right now. We are in a legal war and also a culture war. The church is in the middle of it right now, and crisis has done this to us. And the spirit of hysteria that is in the earth, uh, all of the psychological stress is doing it to people, and they need something to blame for all of their problems. And of course, the evil spirits of this world have mustered up society to come against the church, to come against civil society, to come against law, and to come against order. And God is speaking to us right now that we need to prepare ourselves to not back down, to not deny the Lord, to not deny or change the truth to fit what is culturally appropriate. That's right. And I think some of us have made mistakes in this time. You know, a lot of people lost faith during this pandemic. A lot of people gave up on God and went back to the world. They denied the Lord, denied the church by their actions. Just like Peter, because when God looks in a way you don't expect and you don't understand, it's easy to say, oh, I don't know that. When the church has to adjust and do things that aren't normal, it's easy to say, I don't go there. You know, we were used to gathering together in person. We had to go to online church. A lot of people didn't understand that, didn't recognize that, got bitter and out of shape and denied their church and are no longer a part of it. Thankfully, some have floated on back. They deny the church because of legal issues, because of mandates, because of policies trying to stay the plague. And their speech has betrayed them. Look at how they're talking on social media. We know what spirit they are of. This pandemic, these legal issues we are facing, has really flushed out the believers and the doubters. That's what stress and pressure does. It is a way of separating the spiritual from the non-spiritual. But thank the Lord for grace. Thank the Lord for mercy. You know, Peter there at the temple denied. You then read in Acts chapter 2, Peter doesn't deny. He steps right up there and says, we are not drunk, as you suppose. But this is the very fulfillment of prophecy that in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Peter went from a uh, Aramaic speaker saying, Gaver and Gara, his speech betrayed him back then there here in Acts chapter two. His speech isn't betraying him, but it's confirming who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He goes from denying the Lord to speaking diverse types of tongues. That's how powerful grace and mercy is. (laughs) Praise God. That's what God wants to do in this season and time. To give us another chance to get it right in our speech. So don't betray your pastor. Don't deny your pastor. Don't deny your church. Don't deny your God. You have an opportunity if you have made mistakes in the last year to get it right. And how you're going to get it right? Start talking about Jesus. Start talking about truth. You know, after Jesus died, was buried, rose again, he appeared three times to his disciples. And that third time, Peter said, I'm going fishing, which was code for I'm getting out of the ministry. I'm going back to my 
original career before the Lord uh, found me. While I was fishing, while he was fishing all night, did not catch one thing. The next morning, they see a man standing on the seashore. He says, "Throw your net on the other side." And when they did, they hadn't caught anything all night. All of a sudden, boom! A net full of fish. And John perceived that it was of the Lord. And Peter swam to shore to see him. And while they were there having breakfast, the Lord asked him three times, "Do you love me?" And Peter said, "I love you. I love you. I love you." You know, that has a lot to do with him denying him three times, able to make up for it. But I really think the Lord did not do that based upon the past, but based more so upon the future. You look in the book of Acts, Peter was tested, put on trial, falsely accused three times. Acts chapter two, he was accused of being drunk. Acts chapter five, he was accused and beaten. Acts chapter 12, he was accused and imprisoned and imprisoned. You notice all of those three times he does not deny the Lord at all. But, oh, he confesses him. He bears witness of him. You know, back in the temple, in the original accusation and illegal trial and the false witnesses of blasphemy against Jesus, it confused him. It scared him. And he denied the Lord. And after that moment, after he was forgiven of that, He forgot about that rooster, that man. He forgot about the fire. He forgot about all of those things. And he confessed the Lord in all three of those major moments in the book of Acts. He even did it up to the very end. Christian history says he was crucified upside down. Peter's denial was very serious. You remember what the Bible says? He cursed. He swore. He took an oath. I've heard it preached, you know, that Peter was a fisherman and he was cussing like a sailor. That's not what the Bible says. Look at what oath and curse and swearing means. It doesn't mean profanity. There's other scriptures that would, that suggest that Christians shouldn't do that or command that, that Christians shouldn't do that, of course. You know what he was doing? He was he was you uh, taking oaths that he didn't know the man to try to convince everybody at the courtyard, those servant girls, everybody that he was not a disciple of Jesus, and he did it with an oath. He probably put an oath on himself and a curse upon himself, which is what was common back then. And Jesus said, don't do that. He said, don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by the temple. Don't do any of those things. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. But Peter probably put an oath upon himself. He probably said something like, if I know that man, Jesus of Nazareth, may I die the death of a thousand cuts. (laughs) If I know that man, may the Lord's throne explode in heaven. May the temple collapse. That is what the oath and the curse was. That's why he ran out and wept bitterly, because he put an oath on himself. I mean, that's how powerful speech can betray people. That's how serious your words are. Oh, yeah. You know... It's sad when you see somebody who has grown up in the apostolic church, been filled with the spirit, baptized in his name, see miracles. And then you look at their social media, pierced up, tattooed up, and they're now like a pot smoking hippie, believing the teachings of Buddha. And it's questionable or not whether they're gay or straight. (laughs) That is denying the Lord. Your speech betrays you. 
And Jesus is very serious when he says, if you deny me now, I will deny you in heaven. You better believe it. I know God is love, but there will come a time when he will treat you exactly the way you treated him. It is time to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. It is time to confess Jesus. It is time to believe Jesus. It is time to believe the word for what it says. And right now, people are denying the Lord based upon legal matters, based upon cultural matters. People have walked away from God based upon the false accusations of racism. They falsely accuse Jesus of blasphemy. And right now, this world is falsely accusing the church, the traditional family, everything that we have worked hard and built built up as being racist. It's all false. And if you're not careful, you can get backed in the corner and say, oh, I, I don't know the church. I don't want to be associated with that. Come on. The church is not racist. All false. And the church is not full of hate. These legal matters that have arisen in the LGBTQ community, the church isn't out to destroy or stop anybody. We just preach truth, and if you like it, great. If you don't, we'll still be at peace with you. The church is the institution of true love. The church is the true institution and foundation. Amen. Praise God. So confess it. Believe in it. You'll be okay. God will help you out. But if you have denied, if you have walked away, and as it were, you've gone back to fishing, well, you better believe it. The Lord will appear on your seashore. And when he does, he's going to want to know, do you really love me? Do you really, really love me? Believe in Jesus. Believe in him. Trust him. He'll never let you down. He'll give you another chance. And that love and that grace, it'll make you want to forsake your sins. It'll make you never want to deny him ever again. To the point of being falsely accused. To the point of being beaten. To the point of being imprisoned. To the point of being persecuted. And that spirit is coming. The end is not now, but it is near. And the hatred that we feel, oh, the pressure that we feel, we need the strength of God. The tempter is out there. We've got to escape the temptation of these days. We have got to evacuate the temptation of these, of these days. We've got to endure it and be faithful to the very end. It will be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. so much for your loyal listenership i really really love this audience so very much and we're growing and i love getting feedback uh, from all of you most of the time it's just kind words of expression let me know how much the content is a blessing to you i love that 
you know, I'm not going to read all of that for, for everybody, everybody to hear, you know, how wonderful Justin Gleason is. That's not what you come here for. You come here to hear how wonderful God is, how wonderful the Bible is, how wonderful the church is. But I do like to answer good questions. I don't answer them all, but I do like to answer good questions that are relevant and have a connection to the content that I bring. Back in February, 60 days ago, we did uh, some episodes on dating in the will of God and getting engaged in the will of God. And I received an Instagram direct message. This was on April 6th, 2021. And we'll call him Brother JJ. Brother JJ says, Blessings, Pastor Gleason. I listen to your podcast and it really helps me when you talk about relationships. I have a situation. Oh, God. Situation. That's Situation has become a scary word, you know. (laughs) I have a situation. Well, here we go. And I wanted to know what I should do. Of course, I'm praying about it. So I'm talking to this girl. She's 22 and I'm 21. We are both super active in the kingdom and are very submitted to our pastors. We both are in college and are both very goal oriented. But she lives in Louisiana and I live here in Texas. We currently are battling that she feels that everything feels pressured remember that word pressured but not because of me but because of her past relationship about a year and a half ago which was long distance as well we are both very attached to each other and it's very difficult i gave her a few days without me texting her or anything so she can think clearly and choose what she wants without emotion. What should I do, Pastor? I like this question because it's very common. It's very common. Uh, first of all, first things first, don't be physical. That's really where the pressure is probably coming from, is the physical Not so much from you, Brother JJ, but from the past relationship. It probably got a little too physical in that past relationship. Going to nice dinners, talking, having fun. There is no pressure there. But but the physical stuff, yeah, that is where the pressure is. So if I was you, nothing physical, nothing physical, Uh, you know, save all that for the wedding night, okay? And you'll please the Lord and you'll and you'll really have a healthy relationship. I, I think I could stop there and that probably would answer some of your problems. But uh, I think pressure is bad for a healthy relationship. Nobody likes to feel pressure. Nobody does good work on their pressure. Nothing feels natural. Uh, life is not enjoyable when you have unhealthy pressure. And if if there is, you're doing it wrong. So, um you know, with long distance, I th- I like long distance. That's how that's what uh, Sister G and I did, and uh, we built a relationship on uh, interaction through our devices, our phones, and uh, a lot of handwritten letters. And of course, there was monthly trips, and a lot of times we met just halfway, uh, just for a few hours, and then I'd drive home, she'd drive home, 
you know, you just do what you do to build that friendship and that relationship and let her know how special she is. And a lot of times uh, the pains of a past relationship go away. But uh, she is bringing some um, some weight, some baggage from the past. She dated bad. And sometimes bad dating can feel like a bad divorce. It really can, especially if there was uh, physical things involved there. You know, uh, becoming one flesh is sex. But the Bible says becoming one flesh, that is sex. So when people fornicate, I'm not saying she did, but I'm just kind of assuming that that word pressure, that's immediately what I thought of. And I'll tell you what, I sought otherwise counsel about this question from other people and everybody said sex. There was sex there. So yeah, there's pressure there. So, uh, but don't worry, not all is lost here. God can work and do wonderful things. God can restore, God can heal, God can change lives. And uh, I think you're right to give her space. I think you're right to let her figure it out because there's not really anything you can do to change the past. That is all going to come from her through time, uh, through prayer, and through surrounding herself with good stuff. But it sounds to me like you really like her. And it, you brought up pastors and involved in church. It sounds like you guys have a lot in common, which is great to be involved in church and to be, you know, have a great relationship with your pastors and keeping them in the loop. I'm going to go ahead and say you should pursue her. But keep in mind, you guys are very young. 2021. 20, I know you right now you feel like you got to get life all figured out. Let me, let me tell you, you got some time, okay? I got married at 27 and my wife was uh, 20. And it worked out good. And, and and yeah, she's a year older than you. You know, I just think guys that can attract a girl that's a little older than them are just like extra studly for some reason. I, I don't know what that <laughs> what it is, but I was always so envious. Like when I was 18 and I had guy friends who were 18 and they were like dating a 23, 24 year old girl. I'm like, dude, how do you do that, man? <laughs> you know, so anyway. You know, because girls typically mature quicker than guys. And for a girl that likes a, a guy a little bit younger than them, it just it just means the dude is a hoss. He's got it figured out, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on. So I think you should be patient with her. I think you do. I, I think this is her, her unhealthy pressure is probably good for you, Brother JJ. It probably is. All right. So I think you need to be patient, especially if it's true love and you know she's the one. Uh, be like Jacob. You know, he worked seven years for Rachel. Seven years. That's patience, man. And then he had to work another seven years just to keep her. So it's worth it. These same things kind of happened to me, although I didn't work for seven years for Sister G. But her and I started talking July of 2008. and October 2008, I told her how I really felt about her. And I wanted to get engaged that holiday season, 2008, and then be married uh, leading up into the holidays, maybe mid-October, maybe mid-November, somewhere in there, in 2009. Well, after praying, after talking, after seeking counsel, it was decided that we should probably wait and maybe get engaged the holidays at the end of the year in 2009 and then get married in mid to late spring 2010. And I remember when Sister G told me that, I was like, oh, God, she doesn't love me. I thought that for a split second. Then I realized, wait a minute. Oh, God started talking to me. And God said, 2009 is going to be the fastest year of your life. It will go by so fast. And it did. 
And those 21 months from the time we started docking to the time we got married just felt like 21 minutes. You know, that's what love will do. When you're in love, man, there is no time. It's just, that's, that's what heaven's going to be like. No time. I mean, it's just love, man. Just uh, pure love uh, between us and, and the, and what we'll feel in the presence of God and seeing him face to face. So uh, be patient with her. Give her time. Just enjoy the friendship, man. That's what dating is. And dating's so special. And I miss the, the dating uh, years because Sister G and I were able to just enjoy that companionship without any responsibility. And that's why dating is so special. And I think you should date as long as possible to have that in your relationship history. So enjoy the, the long distance. I believe in long distance. Most of us probably got to do long distance. It's very difficult to marry somebody that you grew up with. Most of the time you, you marry somebody that you don't have childhood or teen experiences with. You know, you want to leave all of that behind and create something new in your adult years. So I prayed for you, uh, Jay, and uh, let me know how it goes, man. And uh, just and just uh, really, really what you need to be doing is praying for her. That's what you got to do. Your prayers can help her. Ask God to renew her mind. Give her a renewed spirit. And pray that the Lord protects her from her past. You know, let God wash all of that away. You know, whatever happened in, in a bad dating experience. You know, bad dating experiences, uh, t- t- they can knock a person off course for several years spiritually. It, it really can. It can cause a lot of psychological stress. You know, but uh, you trust God. You, you believe in yourself and you learn from your mistakes and you kind of keep going, you know, with a renewed mind. And God's love helps heal. God's grace helps heal. You know, the presence of God is a is a beautiful thing, and um, it's going to be all right, man. Just uh, be a good boyfriend. Just be a g- good boyfriend. Be kind. Be sweet. Be gentle. Uh, you'll build that trust with her. Make her feel good. Uh, compliment her personality. Compliment her accomplishments. You know, uh, make it about that. And yeah, you don't. You know. Girls like to have a, believe me, they, they want a man to protect them. They want a delicious man to love them. They want, they want a delicious man to be, you know, their man. They want a delicious man. But really, girls like to have a sense of independence a little bit. That's where I think really the wedding veil kind of came from, to, to let the man know, hey, I've got my own independence. You know, and I'll let you get a small glimpse of that independence here in front of everybody by removing that veil and giving, giving me a, a, a kiss. And we, we've covered that on past episodes. And the one Rebecca covers her face, we go into details about that. So, yeah, independence is good. And men need a little bit of independence, you know. Uh, it's just a good thing. So, yeah, uh, space will erase the pressure. Kindness and love and genuine affection will help... Uh, Get rid of that pressure. That's all you got to do. It's going to be okay. Relationships. Healthy relationships. Unpressured relationships.
Walt's coffee. That coffee is just good. I need a good donut. Okay, resist the devil, not the police. That's what I've been talking about. Resist the devil, not the police. And that comes from uh, uh, the New Testament. Don't resist the authorities. You bring judgment uh, upon yourself. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. So it's kind of bringing two concepts there into one. But I, it's based upon how I grew up. My dad taught me at a young, young age, Justin, if a police officer says, come here, you come there. If he asks you questions, you don't deviate. You answer his questions immediately. Uh, you obey the commands of a police officer. You do that, you will have no trouble. You get pulled over for a ticket, don't you argue. You do what they say and you show respect. And I've done that and I've gotten out of so many tickets. Uh, some say that only a beautiful woman can get out of tickets. Well, let me tell you what, this, this hideous corn-fed Midwestern guy has gotten out of a lot of tickets from both male and female cops simply because I addressed them as officer and I answered their questions with yes and no. And I never said, why'd you pull me over? Why'd you pull me over? I'm busy. Don't you know I got a schedule? No. I would say, officer, how can I help you? How can I help you? I help them do their job. I help them do their job. And the way you talk, your speech, how, how, how you present yourself, they're going to pick up pretty quick if you're trouble or not. Cops, the way they're trained, being around it, they know when they're around trouble. They just know it. And that's why they're spooked right now, because there's a lot of troubled people out there. All right? That's how it is. And so I'm not speaking up from the world's perspective. I'm talking from a church perspective on how we should be approaching the police. Because back with the George Floyd thing, I never saw so much police hate from apostolic people in all my life. And I was sickened by it. But I just felt like I had to be like Jesus. I had to keep my mouth shut while we were accused, while churches are being accused of racism, Churches are being accused of this and that. It was all false. I knew it. Just kept my mouth shut. But I feel to speak up a little bit on on this subject. And I think it's timing. And I think it's a very appropriate season that we're in. Look, Jesus said to his followers in one of his very first messages. And, and keep in mind, Galileans were very oppressed of the Roman government. They would try to provoke them into trouble. And so there could be a fight and there could be a death. And so it would be lawful, you know, and a lot of times what they did, the Romans would come by and just slap a Jew on the face just to get him mad, just kind of pick a fight. And a lot of times the Jews would fight back. And you know what? The Romans were tough. They were powerful. They knew how to use sword and shield and it would wind up with dead Jews in the streets simply out of a slap. Look it up in history. And that's why Jesus said, if they slap you on the cheek, just give them the other one. Don't let it turn into a bloodbath. Pursue peace. Okay? A lot of times the Romans would say, I'm cold. Give me your, give me your outer garment. And, the, you know, the Jews, that's my clothes. What are you, you can't be asking for my clothes. That's mine. And they would do that primarily to mock them because their outer garment was their prayer covering. And, you know, they would put it on it. Ooh, hey, I feel warm. But really, that's mocking a Jew's prayer garment. Jesus said, don't get angry. Offer them more clothes. Here, do you want my tunic also? Because in doing that, you would stop fighting. You would stop arguing. You would stop, you know, contention. And also sometimes the Romans would say, here, carry my sword and shield. Carry my belongings. Let's go a mile. And Jesus said, offer them two miles. 
serve them, be submissive to them. And in doing so, you won't have problems. And you know, that stuff works. I've seen it work. All right. For those of you guys that carry guns, an officer pulls you over and asks you to step out. You know what you need to tell him? Officer, I have a concealed weapon. How would you like me to proceed? You do that, that type of respect, he is, he's probably going to say, you know what, just stay in your car. Go on your merry way. He's not going to search it. Oh, no. Officers don't care. Like I said earlier, there's not a lot you can know about somebody's skin color. Officers don't really care about that. It's how you talk. It's how you walk. It's how you dress. It's how you act. So when you start saying things like, what was that doing, officer? Why, why were you doing that? Why? 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 Uh, I mean, problems. Nope. Answer their questions directly. You need to do that to uh, in the in, in the airport TSA officers. You say, hello, officer. Good morning. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Do what they say. They won't bother you. That's right. It's people who resist and ask the officer questions back. Those are the ones that you, the officers feel like you're wasting their time and you're trying to deviate from the issue and you got something to hide. That's when they're going to investigate. And Jesus taught us turn the other cheek give the cloak go an extra mile you do that i don't care what your ethnicity is comps will learn to respect you and you'll probably end up becoming friends with them that's right let me tell you what the police force is a force of good that's right you heard it from here i think the real issue here is authority people that don't get along with cops don't get along with their boss people that don't get along with cops also don't get along with their pastor I've seen it. It's what I've observed. All these people that hate cops, they give their pastors problems. That's right. That's right. Mm. They have issues with their parents. They have issues with their employers. They have issues with authority. They don't like authority. And it's ridiculous. You want to be a Christian, you've got to be submitted. You want to be used of God, you're not going to get there on your own. You're going to get there with the blessing of your authority, with your covering. You got to have it. And if you respect the police, come under the authority of the police, God will bless you for it because it's a Jesus thing. Because the local police of the United States of America, I, and may repeat that, local police, local police, your local law enforcement, they are a force against Antichrist. That's right. Because what do you hear the Dems, the liberals preaching and calling for? Abolish the local police and set up a nationalized police. Obama said that. Biden's hinted at that. Oh, Kamala. Oh, man. Kamala is preaching that. And you want to know why they are? Why they are? I think, and I would say this to their face. I would say you want to do this so that police can be controlled by one individual. Is that correct? And of course, they'll say yes. Well, what does that sound a lot to me like? Uh, socialist new world order. Socialist new world order. That will fail, and then communism will have to be set up because socialism fails, and the only thing that can, quote-unquote, save socialism is communism. That's what, that's what happened to uh, Russia. Oh, yeah, USSR, the old hammer and sickle. It was a socialist nation. It failed, as it always does. And the communists took over. Uh, it's, it's just how it is. And that's what they want to do with America. Set up a nationalized police force that can be controlled by one man or one woman. 
and then set the stage for the Antichrist in weakening this nation. That's how the stage is going to be set for the man of sin. It is through weakening the nations. So you know what? Uh, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm about God and guns. Now, I understand if you're anti-gun, I get it. Most people that are, there, it's, it's liberals out there that are just afraid they're going to accidentally shoot themselves. Or they have a sicko-psycho-confused son who thinks he's a girl. He's going to snatch up the gun and shoot and kill the whole family. You know, there's just a lot of mental illness in a lot of those houses, and they're afraid of having a gun because somebody could get shot. But for those of us that love God, love our Bible, love our church, we're not crazy. We use guns for what they're intended for, and that is protection, not to project our own insanity. I mean, Jesus even told his followers at the Last Supper, now it's time to take up some swords, because he knew what was coming. All right? Guns have a place. That's why they're encoded in the Constitution. That's why Jesus said, take up the swords. Okay, keep them. Use them at the right place, at the right timing. That's right. I mean, read your Bible. Was Jesus on the side of oppressed Israel or Rome? Whose side was he on? He was on the side of God, on the side of the word of God. And that is, don't speak out against your rulers. Don't resist the authorities. God was for this for the spirit of peace, and that's how you create peace. It is by fighting evil with peace. It is fighting aggression with peace, if at all possible. But when push comes to shove, yeah, sometimes, you know, you got to escape or fight back a little bit. All right. There's no better way to do that than with uh, baseball bats, with hammers, with knives, and of course, my peace. <laughs> Your guns. That's right. Okay. I realize there's differences of opinions out there. And if you disagree with me, well, I disagree with you. And if this offends you, you know what to do. Go back and listen to it again and let it offend you some more. What you need to be doing is resisting the devil. Don't resist the police, resist the devil. If Satan turns his sirens on and his demonic cop car, uh, speed up. If he runs you off the road, he drags you out of the car, tries to put you in handcuffs, punch him right in the face. That's right. Resist the devil. These people out here that are resisting the cops, oh, they're submitting to the devil. They love the devil. That's right. They love rap music. They love their dope. They love to be abusive. That's right. They don't want to be a family man. They want to be a hustler. They don't want jobs. They don't want careers. They don't want to be responsible adults. They want to rob. They want to shoot. They want to steal. They want to kill. They want to destroy. They want to do all of those things. That's right. So we need local police. We need local police to do their jobs. Lastly, an observation I've made with, with all of these things going on. Look, they rioted under Trump. And now they riot under Biden. <laughs> you know what this tells me? It is not about a president. It is about a hostile communist takeover. So please join me in prayer against it. I'm Justin C. Gleason. God bless the police. 